The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working. On this show, we talk to leaders who have a significant impact on how we work and how we live. Today's guest, Gabrielle Union, may be best known for her 2000 movie, Bring It On. After that film premiered, she said yes to virtually every opportunity, even ones that felt less authentic to her. She was navigating her career out of fear, not strategy. But she regrouped and said, you guessed it, bring it on. Gabrielle took her experiences, good and bad, and used them to figure out who she is, what's important to her, and where she can bring change. Her impact can be felt far beyond Hollywood. Today, Gabrielle is a producer, a best-selling author, and entrepreneur. She uses her name, her influence, and her experience to lift up Black-owned businesses through investment and mentoring. In our conversation, Gabrielle shares the lessons she's learned and how she applies them. And she does it all with vulnerability, which is a Gabrielle Union trademark. To kick things off, I asked her how she decides where to invest her considerable energy. Here's our conversation. I didn't really have a ton of scruples, you know, until relatively recently. Every decision was marked by fear of, of failure, fear of, of returning to having less money, worrying about you know, how bills were going to be paid. And I made decisions based out of those things. Now, if it does not positively impact my peace, my joy, and my grace, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, I, when I look at investments, businesses, I look at who's who else is involved. Are these people that I would trust with my child or trust with my life? No? Okay. Well, that's okay. That's not for me. So just trying to be guided these days by by my peace more than anything. I don't want anything that disrupts my peace. Well, let's go back to that beginning, the way that you did it at the beginning, because I think that there are a lot of people who are very much in that mindset of how do I just maintain or how do I get ahead a little bit or how do I make sure that I'm not losing? In those early days, when you were just starting to be an entrepreneur or just starting to invest, when people brought you things, you were just saying yes to everything. How are you doing that? I was saying yes to most things. I mean, at the at the end of the day, black actresses were not getting the same opportunities. We weren't we didn't even know about these investments. We definitely weren't asked to be consultants or on the board or 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 literally anything. So anytime you got any opportunity, you're saying yes because you're so used to crumbs. Um so anything they throw your way, you're like, "Yes, I, I better take it." Uh, and if they ask me today, they probably will never ask again. So I, I, I got to strike while the iron's hot. And that, that really has boiled down for me into just being terribly afraid of, of failing, being terribly afa- afraid of there wouldn't be enough for everyone. Huh. So I have to say yes, no matter, no matter what. And I know you do a lot of mentoring. What do you tell people who are in that same situation? How do you get people to leave this fear of failure mode? Scared money don't make any money. And it's the same for how you make life decisions. When you're moving through this world in a cocoon of fear, where everything is is really motivated by your fears, 
you have no idea who you are. So you're, 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 all your decisions are not going to benefit your soul. They're going to benefit the shell of the person that you send out as your representative, hmm. but it's not really going to feel great. It's not going to have be that, that, that kind of job or opportunity where you go to sleep so excited about it and happy about it and at peace with it. And you wake up with that same sort of enthusiasm. When you do things out of fear, it, it doesn't alleviate those fears. It actually exacerbates them. And you, it usually doesn't lead to the best working environments. It doesn't lead to the best investments. And it certainly doesn't lead to having great experiences, you know, as an entrepreneur at all. So would you take us through one of your entrepreneurship efforts? I would love to understand how you move through a project. How does something go from an idea to execution in your world? Well, we'll start with Flawless. Uh, so Flawless was an idea that we had come up with because I really wanted to be in the hair space. I thought I had something to offer. And uh, you know, years ago now, probably six, seven years ago, they this this group uh, brought to me this, this idea of doing a hair care company. And that would be my company. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. But I didn't ask the proper follow-up questions. I should have asked, what does being Black-owned mean to you? And they would have told me, oh, we actually have no plans on being Black-owned. We're just going to use you for your name and likeness. And we're just going to slap it on whatever we think it should go on. And I was like, wait, what? So very quickly, I realized this was not a good deal, but it was too late. I had to figure out how to get out of that deal. The initial deal was two years. Even though we were a success, I did not want to be a black shield for people looking to exploit the black community. I have an actual love of all things, you know, hair care and black hair care specifically. So once we, I was able to get out of that deal, I was like, we're going to do this over. My partner is going to be one of my best friends and my actual hairstylist who's done my hair. If I'm eating, he should eat. And I want this company to be Black-owned. Black-owned, operated, fronted, invested. Um, it needs to be a FUBU endeavor for us, by us. And I never want to be put in a position where I'm being used for my name or used because people trust me or be used as a Black shield. It does not feel good, not to me. Anyway, so I took back control of the company. I made sure that it's what's, what's the point if we find all these amazing solutions for folks, but we've priced people out of the solution. So let's lower the prices, nothing over $10. Let's make sure that they're actually in beauty supply stores that black people go to and feel comfortable in where they're not racially profiled for, you know, undoing a top or smelling or feeling the texture of something. And let's narrow our profit margins. If this is not about exploitation and this is about answers, let's narrow the profit margins, find partners, distribution partners that agree with us, which was a little bit more of a challenge than I thought. Um, and let's hope for the best. And what I was not prepared for is with the relaunch to come out of the gate with so much success that we were not prepared <laughs> at all for that kind of success. Like when you lead with the community first, not how do I exploit people who desperately need solutions, but how can I give back? Is there a give back you know, component in this business? So we started Lift As We Climb. So every month we highlight 
black black owned businesses we share our resources we share our our platforms we share our customers ideally that's the goal we do believe that you know rising tides rise all ships so if i'm rising and i'm the only ship out there i failed miserably you you're talking about with flawless challenging every part of the supply chain i mean when you were saying look, we are going to get our supplies from these places. We're going to distribute in places where the last company didn't distribute and there are specific rules around it. We're going to take a smaller profit margin. All of those are ways the business in general doesn't work. You know, people are like, make more money, sell as as, as broadly as possible, find ways to uh, get, this, get, get this out to whoever will use this product. When you have a really distinct point of view on who's going to make your product, who's going to buy your product, how it's going to be sold, where it's going to be sold. Did you ever get any pushback from anyone saying, oh, Gabrielle, that's not how we do it? Are there are there people who are saying to you, do it the way that business is always done? Or it, did you have people backing you up saying, go, make this happen? It was probably 50-50. So I felt like I came in with an army, right? And then it was kind of like that moment, David versus Goliath. And the opposition had their own you know, army of naysayers of this is not how, you know, business should be run. We always have to think about our bottom line. And, and it, the whole point of calling it a business and not, you know, socialism, they, they threw out a lot of words um, that weren't entirely accurate. And I said, well, I see how that's worked out for you. And that's awesome for you and your companies. But for me and my soul and to be able to sleep at night and to make sure that when my daughters look me in my face, that they're respecting me, they respect that I'm doing things differently. And maybe we're not going to get to the same, you know, finish line, or maybe I might beat you there, or maybe I might get there at my own pace, but my soul will be intact at the end of this. Um, and people will have their black hair care solutions at an affordable price. Um, it's way more accessible going into Sally Beauty, which is in every community, not just higher socioeconomic communities that have a tendency to demonize some of their clients and customers. And just make sure, making sure that everything worked. And just because it works doesn't mean you have to inflate the price. You know what I mean? Um, and let's look into let's look into some other solutions. Let's make sure we take out you know all of the bad things that had previously been you know all up and through flawless from ingredient to how the company was run. Let's take it all out and let's lean heavier into new innovation. And we did that by using black scientists who actually use the products. Um, just changing how we do business. Now, could we have anticipated uh, the pandemic, the global pandemic that absolutely disrupted the supply chain? No, we could not have. But we also didn't anticipate so many people really buying in and not just to the, to the products, but our whole movement. And I'd like to say inspired, we inspired a number of companies to, to do their own form of give back and, and lifting up other companies and not moving through this business like we're all in competition. Um, I feel like there's a space and a place for all of us and enough for everybody to eat and still give back and still mentor. It's all possible. You just have to want to do things differently. So when you look back at the first two years of Flawless, do you see it as a benefit that you went through those turbulent years where you disagreed with the what how the company was run and how they were using you 
Um, or do you wish you could never have done that? You know? No, I mean, listen, it's kind of like my first marriage. Um, a lot of people would like to forget it entirely, but I'm still learning lessons from, you know, that marriage and, and how I failed and where I went wrong. Um, cause I think it's easy when things go wrong to blame everyone else. You know, it's easy to point out where somebody else dropped the ball, but it made me look inward and knowing that I made that initial deal out of fear that no one would ever want me to do anything. And I have to take every deal as it's presented. I don't, don't fight back too much because they'll take it away and I'll lose everything. Um, but I can't move through the world with that kind of fear. And I have to approach business differently, which I've never slept better. My, my soul is singing. I feel good about what we're doing, but yeah, sometimes you need to fall on your face, actually admit, Hey, just totally bit it over here. Screwed the pooch. It was all bad. I, I, I did everything wrong. Um, but I learned, I'm learning from it and I'm humbling myself and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people who have successfully done what I'm attempting to do. And I know that it's possible. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back more on lift as we climb. The LinkedIn podcast network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Laura Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast, Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And we're back with today's guest, Gabrielle Union. Lift As We Climb is an important part of Gabrielle's business strategy. She uses her social media presence to lift up Black-owned companies that could benefit from more attention. I wanted to know if that was the extent of the initiative or if she also advised these companies. Here's what Gabrielle had to say. We show them how we've done it. And we're very transparent about how we've had the success that we've had. The reason we're successful are because of these these tenants. There has to be a give back component. A lot of people feel like, well, I don't make enough or I don't have a big enough platform to give back. What am I giving back? A lot of times it's just time. It's resources. And we talk about resources. A lot of people assume it's money. Now that is great. And we, in 2022, we are able to actually offer financial resources to companies that, that need a little extra to, to get through the next month, which happens all the time for companies, especially you know, marginalized companies. A lot of it is just time. You know, it's just taking the time and saying, look, this is where we messed up. These are some of the challenges that we had with this warehouse or this distributor, or who did you talk to over there? Cause I'm running into some problems or how did you troubleshoot with Amazon or who did you use for your website? All of these things help. Or we talk about the algorithms on social media, when to post, how to post, what little things that you can add to a post that drives traffic. But that just comes from sharing information. So it doesn't matter how, if you're Apple or your mom and pop shop, there are opportunities to lift as you climb. Even if you've only taken the smallest of steps, 
that's still a little bit further than someone else has made. And it is to me a requirement to reach your hand back and make sure that as you're climbing, you're showing other people the way as, as well. And it's, and it's worked. Every company that we've been able to highlight has seen a boost and, and, that is our small part in our little company. And again, a lot of people have been inspired to do their own, which is what it's all about. Of course, we're not the only ones thinking like this as we come from a, a large uh, community of people who do believe that I am my brother's keeper and let's let's pool our resources. And for those who are getting to that, that place, um, kicking and screaming, trust me, the water is warm and karma is a beautiful thing sometimes you know what i mean and what you put out you give back you can get that part of 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 your brand at this point through your books i think through a lot of your writing and speaking has been this idea of owning vulnerability and if anyone who listens to Brene brown knows the vulnerability is something that has now gone from being something people never used to talk about in business to something that is now part of business bringing your whole self understanding that you can ask questions and say when you've made a mistake you are not just someone who preaches vulnerability. You're also a boss who sees, I'm sure, vulnerability in your team. And I wonder how you balance that. Like, Are there times where you're like, I'm the boss here. I can't show any vulnerability. Or do you practice that at the same time that you're leading teams? I, I'm one of those people that tends to point out what I've done wrong before I get into where someone else might might improve, you know, or, or when someone else has made a mistake. I find that the best leaders lead from the bottom. And what I mean by that is I actually heard that phrase from um, Ben Wallace during his Hall of Fame speech this summer. And, and he was talking about leadership. And he was like, the best leaders have experienced what you're trying to lead folks into. The best leaders are honest about what that journey looked like for them. The best leaders come from nothing because they've had to figure every step of the way, you know, out before they've gotten in this position of, of leading people. So lead from the bottom. I was like, and he's like, and sometimes you do it by shutting the F up. Sometimes the best leaders know when to step aside and pass the microphone. And I just was like, and I'm sitting in the audience like, oh my gosh. And it tied in perfectly with you know, being radically transparent and, and being vulnerable. If I can lead through example, if I can lead from, listen, I've been literally under the bed and my only friend was my dog. You know, when I thought all is lost and why am I going to carry on? I've been there. And this, these are the steps, the slow, steady steps that I took. You can do it too. Let me show you how, you know, to do it. And then there's those days where like, I'm, number one on the call sheet, and I'm an executive producer, and we're having a payroll issue. I can't do anything on screen as an actor if I know that somebody in here is working their tail off and hasn't been paid in three weeks. So I'm like, we will be right back to this scene, but I got to go make sure that there's food on the table and roof over somebody's head. And if I can't figure out the solution, yeah, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a check and I'll chase my money from the studio later. But you have to know when to lead, how to lead and what, what is more important in that moment. And in that moment, a lot of actors who are also producers would be more concerned with self, but I can't get to self knowing that someone else is suffering on my watch. 
So let me handle that as best I can. And then I will figure out how to lead through other actors in the scene. But I can't, I can't, I will never feel good about ignoring other issues because I have more than one hat. No, we figure out where, where who's been shot and, and how do I get that person help? And this over here is like a Band-Aid. I can figure that out. But let's get let's get to the gushing first. And do you have a feeling where you're like, look, I would rather, is there any part of you that's like, I kind of like this executive producing stuff. I want I wanted to do the payroll more than I want to do the acting. Or do you like doing both? For as long as I can, I would like to do all the things, like being an author or creating projects, producing projects, acting in them. I'd love to be able to do all of the things. Uh, but eventually... If something doesn't bring me joy or it is disrupting my peace, I'm so okay with walking away from things and never thinking twice about it. I'm not a coulda, woulda, shoulda person. When I make a decision, that's it. So right now I can handle all of these things. Uh, thank God, because I have a very large team of people that I trust and that I would trust with my kid, trust with my life. And we're able to keep all these balls in the air. But if some balls keep dropping and... I'm just not enjoying it or I feel like I'm losing myself or I'm becoming somebody I I'm not proud of, then it's time for something to go or something to change. All right. And I always love to end with career advice. You give some career advice in your book. You talk about not accepting mediocre people. You give a lot of other great advice, but what kind of advice do you give to someone who says, Look, I want to be like you. I want to be, I want to do everything. I want to be able to say yes to everything. I want to pick my projects. I want to build businesses. I want to be in front of the camera. And what do you say to someone who's, who, when you say to them, what do you want to do with your life? They just answer yes. You know, what kind of advice do you give? It's funny. We're actually working on the, the uh, reimagining of yes, man. Um, uh, and we've been calling it hell no, bitch. But, um, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of the advice though. Sometimes to get to, these enthusiastic yeses. I want to say yes to everything. You have to figure out how to say no and how to create boundaries. And where's your line in the sand, right? What, where are your scruples at? Where are your, your values at? Where are your morals at? What can you take? Certainly in this business and in Hollywood, there's a, there's a lot of bad, bad faith actors. There are, there are a lot of unscrupulous people. And you just have to have a very clear sense of self and what you can take and what you can't. And also, I always say, do you want to be famous or do you want to act? Because those are two different things. And you can get famous doing all sorts of things. And it may or may not bring you joy or happiness or financial freedom. And if you love acting, there's a solid chance you will be broke indefinitely. So you have to figure out, do, I, do you really love the art? of this business? Do you really love acting? Or do we have some attention challenges <laughs> that you should probably work out with your therapist? Or just this desire to have to be validated publicly over and over and over again? So if someone comes to you and says, look, I just want to be famous, what's your answer to them? There's a host of things you could do to get famous. But if you want respect, if you want to be able to respect yourself and be respected, you need to know where your line in the sand is, what you will take and what you won't take. You have to know that you are worthy of all of the amazing things that can come. But also, if you face rejection, that that's not a, a character issue. That is not a, it doesn't mean you're a bad and, or an unworthy person. 
you have to understand what this industry is and then be be on time and know when to humble yourself and listen more than you speak. That was Gabrielle Union, actress, producer, entrepreneur, best-selling author. To see some of our conversation, check out my newsletter on LinkedIn. It's also called This Is Working. And be sure to click the little bell on my profile if you always want to get alerts for new posts. Gabrielle has so much energy for bringing other people along to share in her success. And she says, pointedly, she is not alone in this. Other people are doing that. I love that. It's exactly the kind of spirit we need more of in this business world. Let me know how you're doing it. Share on LinkedIn. Use the hashtag this is working. I can't wait to read all of your stories. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with a friend and rate us on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. This is Working is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Sarah Storm with help from Stephen Valdivia, Victoria Taylor, and Candace Weiner. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you soon.